0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito banana. Now, this is Afternoon
1: Pancakes, episode 22. And my name is Jared. I'm here with my good friend, Stephen. How are you today, sir?
0: I'm doing well today. It it was nice having a couple extra days after uh, that loss to Houston to uh, recover before recording the podcast.
1: While we're recording the podcast right now, I'm just finishing up watching the Game Pass version of the game, the condensed version, for the second time. Um... So yeah, obviously Thursday night, five days ago, that is, the Colts lose in Houston to the Texans. Final score twenty to seventeen. It's tough, tough outing, uh, for a handful of reasons. Obviously, we could start with the officiating. I. Uh, I think I got to about 3 minutes and 56 seconds in the first quarter before I saw the first questionable call that I thought that absolutely affects a drive, keeps it alive when it was 3rd and 10, and they throw that ball to uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and he turns around and puts his hand over his face, uh, selling illegal hands to the face to the official and gets a call at home. And I realized at my third time watching through the game that that's when I it hit me. It's going to be a long afternoon. Like, it, this is going to be a long game. And I realized why the Colts are doing what they're doing now, which is, you know, when they say run the damn ball, is they're effectively had to rebuild the franchise um and andrew i you know it kind of hit me andrew luck is the only thing that ensures is there to ensure me that the colts would be have a better record now given what we've seen so far the only yeah the only way the colts have a better record now is if Andrew Luck hadn't retired. That's how crazy talented Andrew Luck was. And that mean, that is no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett. I think that he's done admirably filling in. Uh, I think that he's a great leader, and I think that there's a lot of potential to win a lot of football games with his style of play. The issue is that it's going to be a low-scoring affair. It's going to be a defensive battle. The Colts are going to run the ball a lot, and the game's going to be real short. This is to limit mistakes, and if you haven't realized by now, there's just a ton of penalties in the NFL. So what the Colts are doing, because they've had to rebuild their franchise, is run the ball, put the ball in play, and evaluate from there rather than from the quarterback position, put the ball at risk, turn it over because your quarterback is stepping in for Andrew luck uh, and the wide receivers are really banged up. right? So there's a there's a glut of reasons why we're six and five. We could talk about kicking. We could talk one of the things that we don't talk about and should is why is Chester Rogers still returning punts? Right?
0: Are we there yet? I feel I've been there. <laughs> Are we there? Like, have we not
1: been on that boat?
0: I said like, this last year. I like year.
1: Chester Rogers. Stop Why is returning he back punts? there?
0: And I, I might have actually written this in an article. It just tells you how long, because I haven't gotten a chance to write in a while. And Chester Rogers, no matter what the decision is on the punt return, he makes well, the wrong one. Yeah. Like Whatever he either, you either thinking about doing he, do
1: the opposite
0: he, he either fields it within the 10 right uh, and and calls a fair catch at, at the five or he lets it bounce at the 20 and you're like what are you doing <laughs> like and what the guy yeah, it had have been what two weeks ago when they got the uh, the punt that bounced off of Okariki, yeah um, that you've watched the game and you're like He's not yelling fire. Like he's not yelling. You can't hear it. Like yeah, he should be from... screaming, fire, 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 to tell him, or whatever their whatever their the word, word is to to get a away lot of, from a the lot ball. Of players
1: said poison. Why can't you hear anyone yelling poison? It's like fire, poison, yeah.
0: whatever. Poison, whatever their their word yeah. is that says no safe get, word. <laughs> get out of there. Yeah, whatever their safe word is. He wasn't yelling it. And you look at Okuriki, Ok and you could tell he wasn't, because Okariki's just kind of standing there at that point. And if he hears that, like, Okariki's a smart football player. If he hears that, he's out. Like, yeah. he's gone. He's not in that situation.
1: Yeah, he's been playing really well lately. It speaks to the, the coaching, um, how well this very young defense, very, very young defense...
0: Well, and I think that's one thing that one of the positives we can take away from from Thursday's game is the defense. Held has been playing admirably. Houston <laughs> held Houston to twenty points. Right. And and realistically, like they they couldn't guard the deep ball because for whatever reason they were, it, it seemed like they were playing man, um, or every time they played man. Um, Houston picked it out and just launched a bomb to, to Will Fuller. And then you had obviously the blown coverage on DeAndre Hopkins, where no one was within 15 yards of him um, as he got, got through. And it's just easy pitch and catch there. And it looked like it was DeSeer was, was supposed to pass him off to Hooker. And Hooker had come up because um, I feel like he must have saw somebody coming across the middle. And thought the Desir would run with him. So I don't know what the coverage was on that play, but it, it obviously was blown uh, yeah. by somebody. And so, like, the defense on the whole, like, once Houston got on, on the Colts' side of the 50, like, the defense didn't allow anything. Like, Houston's big play, like, Houston's two touchdowns that they got were for 30 yards and 37 yards. Right. And they, they were both deep bombs. Once they got into the red zone, they couldn't do anything. And that... That is a testament to how well this defense is played, and so it's one of those things where you look at, and even on the like the, the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown catch, uh, it kind of harkens back to to what you started off with talking about the officiating. Yeah, is on that touchdown catch, Jabal Sheard got wrapped up and taken to the ground, which that play itself is legal, like that's how how tackles are are taught to take them down. It's like, um, I forget the name of it, but they've got a, like a grip and rip move where they bring them down and it's not, it's it's like a slingshot kind of move um, that, that offensive tackles using the words escaping me right now. But that to me, I was fine with that being a non-call in isolation. The problem was earlier in the game, they called that exact same play a hold on Ryan Kelly. And I'm saying – and this is, again, harkens back to, to what, what I've talked about in the past where I sit there and say, you know what, I don't care if the officiating is good. I don't care if it's bad. I care if it's consistent. And so that call is either holding or it's not. It can't be both. And the problem that I had was on Thursday it was both. And that was frustrating to me. And so, you know, you you take those out and the Colts are are right in there. Um, I think what we saw, the biggest thing, I, I think the most frustrating thing from the officiating perspective was them not reviewing the, the Leonard fumble um, right. or the Watson fumble that Leonard very clearly punched out and it landed in Leonard's gut. Right. And, and they didn't even review it. And, like, I, I would have been fine if they took it it, and it was under two minutes, so it can only be a Booth review. I would have been fine had they reviewed it. And they said, look, there's no clear evidence that, that the Colts got the ball. And they say, call in the field stands. But the fact is, they didn't even review it, despite there being a clear fumble. And it looking like Darius Leonard had got the ball. And like, I'm not saying the Colts sh- you know, should have won that game. But they should have been given an opportunity to, there at the end, because Leonard caused the fumble, and Leonard put them in position. And it's clear he, uh, to me, it was clear he had it. And of course, I'm a fan, so of course I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, I, I think he got it, no doubt. But like you saw a couple of camera angles where you saw him collapse around the ball. Yeah. When it was in his guts, you can't say that there. There's not at least a an indicia of, of thought that that was there. And so that was what the biggest frustrating thing for me was uh, in terms of the officiating, despite the fact that there were other blown calls, throughout the, day, the fact that it wasn't even looked at yeah. really, really bothered me. And Houston and Bill O'Brien's idiocracy called timeout. So they had right. extra time to look at it. Right. And I'm going, first off, you're an idiot. Like, you know that there's a questionable call here. Why not yeah. run up to the line of scrimmage and, and run a play? Yeah. like, And then you, you also take in the fact that at that point there was like one forty eight left on the clock when that fumble happened. The clock should have stopped and they should have reset the play clock to 40 seconds. The problem is by the time the next snap came, 51 seconds ran off the clock. So the Colts lost 11 seconds in there based on the officiating too. And the clock... Than then the people there at Houston who didn't reset the play clock until time had run off. Right. And so I'm like, the Colts should have gotten again, like Deshaun Watson can throw that ball up in the air. They, maybe they go for a long field goal at that point. Um, who knows? He could have missed. I, I think that he had, he had skimmed one off the upright earlier in the game. Um, and so the Colts should have had an opportunity and they should have had 11 seconds which gives you a chance to at least get, you know, 15, 20 yards downfield on an out route, um, get out of bounds and and give yourself a shot for either a Hail Mary or a field goal to tie it. And the fact is, the officials took away that opportunity, which is frustrating for for me. I imagine for everybody that's listening right now as fans that they didn't get the opportunity to to take part in it and, and get an opportunity to win the game when they deserved it they deserved an opportunity. They didn't necessarily deserve to win because I don't think the offense played well at all. You know, I think that, you know, I, I mean, you and I have talked about Brissett, um, several times on the podcast, despite what some people on Twitter will tell you, I am not necessarily sold on Brissett being the long-term option. And this is still one of those things where I know he doesn't have his wide receivers and T.Y. Hilton's severely limited and, Again, there's there's some there's some inconsistency with Reich too that that bothers me. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But you know, Brissett didn't have his wide receivers. Apparently Eric Ebron has been hem, ha, hampered for now a couple weeks since he, he decided to go on IR um, yesterday. And so you know, it's really tough for Brissett to have that have anything vertical when you're playing with like not high quality receivers. Um, But at the same time, those same issues that you and I had talked about earlier in the season that, you know, he, he lacks that anticipation on his throws. He, he's gotten better with his touch from what he had in 2017. um, But he's still not great at it. Um, You know, he, he doesn't throw receivers open. um, And, and that's, those are some some he doesn't, you know, manipulate coverage. Like Houston would disguise coverage constantly until fifteen seconds after fifteen seconds when that headset would cut off between Brissett and Reich. And they would have that safety back and then they would run him up to the line of scrimmage and play zone back behind, knowing that Brissett's gonna stare down his primary receiver. And a lot of times I felt like he did. I, I haven't gone back and gotten a chance to watch the All-22 on it to, to see that necessarily. I imagine you probably have a better better idea on that, that one than I do. Um, but there's some concerns about the long-term viability of Brissette, um in my mind. And again, with, with how deep this quarterback class is uh, apparently going to be in 2020 – or or, or it looks like it could be in 2020. It's one of those things where, you know, the, um, like the Ravens had Joe Flacco, but still traded up and drafted Lamar Jackson. You know, the Chiefs still had Alex Smith under contract for I think a year or two and traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. Like, Jacoby, you said, is good enough to win. But when you get an opportunity to get, Uh, such an upgrade at quarterback and it's one of those things where you you kind of trust the general manager to make that move, then I feel like you kind of need to do it because it just, for me, like, I want a quarterback that I feel comfortable saying, go win the game. And uh, again, I understand Jacoby Brissett's been hamstrung, but I'm not certain that that's... Like, I don't feel... Good about it until he does it a couple times, and I know he he got him in position to win the Denver game, and Venitari hit a, what a 51-yard field goal to win it. Um, you know, and, and he's led drives in the past. Um, you know, San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. I've done that like every single episode this year. Um, the Chargers <laughs> uh, game, he he led them back, and there there are glimpses, but he's not consistent. And and that's where I get frustrating. I get frustrated. And speaking of consistency, this goes back to my my concern with Reich, Um, uh, Frank Reich, as a when he allows players to play is when he sat out Brissette for um, the Miami game. The rationale behind that was he was like Brissette was like 80, 85 percent. Uh, and and wanted to play and wanted to go. And Reich said, you know, for the good of the player, I'm gonna sit you down. And the Colts lost that game, even though had they had Brissett, they would have I feel like they would have won it and they would have won it pretty handily because mm-hmm. he doesn't make those same throws that Brian Hoyer did. Right. Um and then this past week he had TY Hilton who was coming off a calf injury where he potentially could have ended his season. Apparently, according to T.Y., he thought his season was done when he took the, had this calf injury. And Reich went ahead and had him play, despite him not being 100 percent. And to the point where Reich admitted afterwards that T.Y. was a decoy um, for the most part and they wouldn't have him run deep. And so for me, I'm like, you can't preach player safety and protecting players from themselves and then all of a sudden do the exact opposite. And I understand Ty wanted to play, but, and he may, maybe he made a difference. Maybe he, they made, you know, he made them roll coverage, but from my standpoint, I'm going, all right, what's, what's going on here? Like, why, why have TY go out at, you know, 80, 85% in this game while set arguably the most important position on the field uh, two games before, and maybe it's just a hubris thing where like he thought maybe maybe the Colts can win the game with Brian Hoyer against Miami, and it was just miscalculation. Um, but yeah I, I just I just think it's interesting, you know with regards to the consistency issues between you know Reich and the players. Uh, that he plays, and then also consistency issues within like players in the, themselves in the games. And so I think the only thing consistent over the past handful of weeks is that the defense has played great. Um, and I think that that goes pretty much without saying. Yeah, I think. So uh, let me I hear let me hear your points on Brissette because I know you've got some. I think it's I think it's
1: <laughs> it's fair to critique. Um, Jacoby Brissett based on the quality of product you see on the field. And I think that I'm not quite ready to say he can't, or he won't, or he isn't capable. But I can say with confidence now that he's going to have to because now he doesn't have Ebron as a check down, and I th- saw only three catches by Hines last week. So his safety valves are getting banged up now, and now he's going to have to go to his receivers, and it just so happens that, like you said, T.Y. Hilton's back, f- and there's an open roster spot. They expect Devin Funches to take that, and then we're about to find out and they're going to have to do it. Here's here's the, the cumulative the cumulative of my thought. Last year with Andrew Luck, the Colts had a top 5 passing offense and had to get better to win this year pretty clearly, right? So this is before Andrew Luck retires. I think we all knew we need pass catchers. We have a dearth at that position, specifically. Andrew Luck is a god, but he is mortal, and we need something better than Eric Ebron because his catch rate's like 65%. They go out and get Paris Campbell and Devin Funchess. A lot of people questioned, were those the right decisions? Uh, And I would just want to point out it feels like we've been snake bitten right not dead not dying just sick right like andrew i I
0: think that's something people need to realize too is like the colts have gone through i think more adversity than any other team in the nfl this season and i don't think it's particularly close and yet they're still six and five right now and
1: and and frankly, if the wheels weren't falling off for Vinny, we'd be eight and three. We wouldn't even be talking about Andrew or Andrew Luck, or we wouldn't talk about Jacoby. But here's my big issue, and it kind of goes with what you're saying. We can we can talk about how they treat individuals and and it was player safety and the not caring about player safety, uh, and understand this is a business. And a lot of these players are learning that it's a business, and I think Eric Ebron did what Eric Ebron had to do to further Aaron e- Eric Ebron's career. And in my eyes, here's how that looks. Let's just say, and I, and I have a feeling Eric Ebron feels what I'm feeling too, and it makes me sad, but T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches aren't going to get it effing done. You need them all. You need Devin Funchess, Paris Campbell, T. Y. Hilton. You need Jack Doyle. You need Marlon Mack, so that defenses have to play fair defense. You have to make them guard everybody. And here's here's the way here's how simple Houston Houston's offense was. Yassin's not playing. Throw to the number two receiver because he will be covered by Kenny Moore. Oh. The Colts are missing all their wide receivers. Jacoby has no downfield presence and he will not throw to guys that he basically doesn't trust. And I would put like Chester Rogers, uh, Zach Pascal on that radar. And it also speaks to preparation. Some of the leading target receivers for Jacoby come uh, in the wake of a roster move, right? Marcus Johnson gets elevated. He goes through the walkthrough and, sh- and all of a sudden, he's a target in the passing game because they did it in the walkthrough, and he has a little bit of familiarity with the guy. But by and large, Jacoby Reset reminds me of a slightly more athletic Alex Smith.
0: Yeah. yeah. Ter- and, I would, and I'm I would only giving him the bump. I'm only giving him the bump
1: because I think that he is um, a bruiser... He reminds me of, like, an old-style quarterback. He's almost like he's a like throwback. He's
0: like a big, big Ben style. Like
1: yeah, he, he's a throwback. He can take
0: a hit and, and not go down.
1: Yeah, and that's and so why like, I give him the nod. He's
0: a bigger version, like a, a more difficult version of Alex Smith to tackle.
1: But I'm, I'm afraid that that's not going to win you a Super Bowl, and here's why. Pass rushers are... Shortening because the you looked time at the, the game last night. <laughs> Pass rushers are trying to get to the quarterback as soon as possible, so the ball's got to be out of the out of the quarterback's hand, or he has to be gone. Right, the quarterback, like Lamar Jackson, like Russell Wilson. Look at all the successful, mm-hmm. winning quarterbacks in the NFL now. They're freak athletes that have either either the younger ones, yeah, a rifle for an arm, or their escapability is max level. So my thought process is that if there's no Eric Ebron and Hines is getting phased out as a receiver and T.Y. and Funch come back, now is your opportunity to find out, can Jacoby Brissett win you the game with his arm? Because here's what teams are going to do now, right? Now... Teams are going to put 8 people in the box and play man on the outside. Good luck. And yep. the thing about mm-hmm. that is based on what team you play, they're going to change that up how they attack us. But here's the things I do know. The Colts don't beat the New England Patriots. They don't beat the Kansas City Chiefs on a on another another try. They probably cannot get Houston. They, you know what I mean, they're not beating Baltimore. They
0: don't beat the Baltimore good. Did you see the game last night?
1: Yes, I did.
0: That the, was the, a The wow, defense is
1: dialed in. The Colts a heck have a team. Colts have a fantastic defense as do the Baltimore Ravens. But the issue is that it's like it's not enough. Is that a correct way to feel like I love Jacoby. I think he could win ten games a year, man, and I'm not I'm saying it with a straight face and y'all act like I'm crazy. If it weren't for Adam, we'd be eight and three. And we'd be saying Jacoby is six and you know, eight and one as a starter, right? And two of our losses came when he didn't play, right? But instead he's six and three, which is still not good enough, right? Regardless of the fact that the wheels fell off, regardless of the fact that the officiating is taking all of the joy out of the game, right? the Colts have decided to try to make their product watchable by saying, look, we can run the ball effectively because we have a great offensive line and our running attack is a premier attack in the league. It really is. It's one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. But I'd argue that the holes are starting to show. Teams have realized that left from center left, you don't you don't want to go against that. You want to blitz the Colts' right side of their offensive line, and that's how teams have been attacking uh, our quarterbacks. And every every game every game every game their their pass rusher lines don't. up on Braden Smith or Overglow, and they just beat him up. And I get it. Yeah. If it was Andrew Luck, we wouldn't be saying this. I dare say, if it was Andrew Luck we'd have a, a a different loss a different win and we'd still have Adam Benettari so we'd still be in the same spot you would just get the higher high well, and the lower low i think
0: right i think i think with luck like you put a different it puts a different perspective on on the game's period because yeah. you're still going to run the run the ball oh yeah and but you're going to have teams that when you have a play action pass, like you can you're gonna have better opportunity to run the ball because teams are gonna be scared to death of Andrew Luck. Right. And they quite frankly aren't scared of Jacoby Brissett no. right now. They don't think Brissett can beat them. And a lot of teams we've seen that now is they're just going to, you know, load the box and and play zone off and say because Brissette won't throw to somebody unless he's – it just seems like at Houston, it just seemed like he wouldn't throw to anybody unless they were wide open. Right. And when he did throw into coverage, it was – it felt late. Like the two T.Y. Hilton drops. Like he threw those when he – it was like a, just a quarter of a second late. Mm-hmm. But that quarter of a second means – it makes a difference of that – That defender getting a hand on the ball on that out route that T.Y. bobbled off his chest. And if if T.Y. catches that ball, then he's gone. Like, there was open space for days on the other side of him. Instead, it's an incomplete pass because the DB is able to dive in, get a hand on the ball. The same – the the, uh, corner route that T.Y. ran. And they Brissett tried to drop it in. Again, he threw it just a tad late, and Ty puts his hands up and it allows Jonathan Joseph, who I think is like 65 years old, go in and make a play on Ty's arm. It was great play by the DBs in both situations. But and you see this a lot. Like I, there was a pass to Zach Paschal that Brissett just throws late, and I don't know whether it's he doesn't. Trust it. He's not trusting what he's seeing, or he has ultimate faith in his arm and his ability to rifle it in there, and that could be it too. But so his first
1: game back off injury, though, right? So, like, it's yeah, fair to say it, it's fair hey to say man. It, it,
0: that's a good point. That's that's a really good point. Is is to put it in there? No, because he played he played against Jacksonville the week before. So it was his right, it's his second game.
1: Still coming, still coming back from still, injury.
0: Still coming back from injury. So like that's a fair point that maybe he's a little bit tentative on it. Yeah, but it's just fair. Uh, I've you and I've talked about this throughout the season. Is that there is? It just seems like he's a little late, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether like I I think you've got you brought up a great point earlier in in the podcast saying these next five weeks. Is paramount that the Colts find out can Brissett be the guy, right? And, and I- they get T.Y. Hilton um, supposedly may not play this week, which really stinks. He they're going to be obviously now without Eric Gebron, um, which again really stinks, and we'll get into that whole situation later too. Um, you know, he might be getting Paris Campbell back. He's He's got to have Devin Funches back, otherwise Funchess stays on IR um, for the major season. This is the last week they can activate Funchess, um, and so he's gonna hopefully get two of his top three targets back. And you got to see what he's got mm-hmm. because you need to know what you're gonna do in the next draft. And it's I think you you hit it spot on when you said he's he's a bigger version of Alex Smith. You know, slightly better version of Alex Smith.
1: Yeah, because the difference is, and, I, and I'm making a joke, it's not in good taste. We're going to live with it. But Alex Smith got hit and broke, and Jacoby Brissett gets hit and has to sit out a couple weeks. So my point stands, Jacoby's just a rock, right, with a big arm. The issue is that, first of all, he very clearly has not mastered what Tom Brady has mastered because he does he doesn't call his own number. Right. He he wants to put that ball in the safest place possible, which is definitely in someone's hands. And I'm starting to turn the corner. I'm one of those people I can live in, in a kind of a duality. Right. So on the one hand. Eric Ebron is a step off. Just a step slow on a timing ball over the middle in the first quarter and lays out to catch one. And it goes off his hands. And then goes on IR a few days later. So there's the answer to that question. When did you think he found yeah, and, that and out? And we've
0: talked about this. We've talked about this where we were like, Ebron just seems like there's there's something off. Yeah. So we, we, he, I think he realized too.
1: it. It's, and, it's not, and I watched the whole game and I've watched it three times and I tried to watch and see was there an instance where Eric Ebron's ankles came into the, the equation and I didn't see it. So I don't even think he got hurt this game. I think... Uh, what I can take away from that interview I had with him now is that I asked him about injuries and he had, and I'm not making it up. I videoed it. It's on my YouTube channel and I recorded it on my phone. So for those of you that hear this and you're like, there's no way I recorded it. I asked him about injuries about, is it fair to say that the offense has been limited because guys like, uh, T.Y., Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, aren't out there. And he sat back for a minute and said, the offense looks so much different when those guys are there because now you have to account for all 11. But when they're not, now they can focus on me and now they can focus on Marlon, right? So when they take us out of the game, right, Marlon gets hurt. I, now Eric, Ebron's runs on IR. It's because they're a target and the, the, the defense says – We're going to make sure that we put a lid on, right? It's just the way coordinators talk. Get a lid on 85 and get a lid on 13 when he's in there, right? The issue is I'm kind of stuck between saying I think that TY wasn't 100% and it's far more likely that he was a step slow and in concert with Jacoby being late. So on the one hand, if we're going to swing the axe at Jacoby's kneecaps, we better be looking at T.Y. and saying, hey, first game back off injury, just missed a couple weeks. It's possible he was just a little slow on that break. And because he was slow, Jacoby was late. And then Jonathan Joseph, who is ancient and shouldn't have been anywhere near T.Y. Hilton and hasn't been for years, right, was for one day.
0: Yeah, well, and, and that that's a good point is – and this harkens back to what I talked about earlier with Reich's decision to play T.Y., even though he's not 100%. It's very clearly he's not 100%. Because you got to
1: have him to beat him.
0: That's why. The, yeah. Well, you you have to have him to beat him. But at the same time, like, no, no that Mack. makes sense that you know, T.Y. is – maybe he's cautious on that calf. And he said that the calf tightened up during the game. Yeah. And so – yeah. yeah like
1: he lost it, his it
0: it's a combination of of things yeah. like it could have been t y on the break and it's Jacoby expected him to be out of that a little bit sooner and had to slow it yeah for um so you know and so yeah i i think there there's clearly blame to to go around or yeah. there's fingers point it's like that spider man thing where he's pointing at himself yeah like what's going on here
1: um no but what what I'm getting at is if Eric Ebron's a step slow and TY's not 100%, I think that, Frank Wright, if if my player leaves it up to me and the staff and we're going to say, hey, is there what are the odds of him coming in 85 and leaving at 80 right, so that he could play next week? Or do we just sit him and get him to 85 and maybe he goes to 80 after the game? Because it's really how you feel uh, throughout a football season is you're never 100%. You're always banged up. And the other point I was going to bring up is in that interview with Eric Ebron, he makes the point that from his perspective, right, an NFL player been in the league a long time, you know what they say, the best ability is availability, right? So being willing to go out there and play and able is part of the equation. It's also part of the problem. So the problem is because it's a violent sport, there's a proclivity to injury to varying degrees. Some people are stout, take hits, get bruised and banged up and turn ankles and and tear up knees and come back and they're fine. And a lot of these guys are like made of glass, right? So the Colts, fortunately, as far as I'm concerned, haven't really got any glass, right? They've gotten guys that have gotten injured, but I don't. I'm trying to think of a Colts player that has a significant injury history other than Ryan Kelly has been banged up a few times over the course of his career. But otherwise, has played stellar football. Um, the point I'm making is, it's all cumulative, and I'm we're we're still not being lied to. I just wanted to point that out. By the way, we were told by Chris Ballard by Frank Reich at the beginning of the season that Jacoby Brissett is a top-20 cornerback. And I'm sitting here looking at passing statistics in the NFL, and with the exception of yards per game, average yards per throw, right, like YPT, Um, Jacoby Brissett is top-10 fewest sacked, top-10 fewest interceptions, top-10 highest touchdowns, he he hasn't had his wide receivers all year so he's like 35th in the league in uh, long pass but his completion percentage is very high his quarterback ratings like his quarterback rating is 20th his passer rating is 16th so it's not for lack of skill i know it i know that he has the talent and again like i said i'm going to wait to fully withhold my evaluation of him as a quarterback in this season as a whole until I've seen him play some games where he has to, because that's all he has left, <laughs> throw to his wide receivers. And he's going to have to do it readily. And it's going to have to happen now. And it better be practicing like, it right now. It's going to have to
0: happen soon.
1: Yeah, because now you don't have Jonathan Eric Williams Kebron. has played
0: well, but still.
1: He, he, but he's, he's just like everyone else. He's the most he's... willing and the most able. And he's very clearly a smart back. And I hope that the Colts hang on to him and I hope he becomes a regular part of the rotation because talk about a powerful one-two punch, right, is, well, it really doesn't matter who the running back is. They're going to get five plus yards on you either way. uh, And that's exciting for a depth add for the Colts, which I know a lot of people don't care about.
0: It's (laughs) also good because it, it can spell Marlon Mack and you don't have quite the same drop off that you did in years right. past. Right. And so when Marlon Mack comes out, you're not going, all right, well, they're obviously gonna pass here. Yeah. Um, you put Jonathan Williams in and, and they can do either. So Right, and
1: and that's a big thing for the Colts is it tells you how good the offensive line is when your top five, top ten running back in the NFL gets injured, is going to be out for a few weeks and your number four running back on the depth chart literally probably has probably leads the league in touches in the last two weeks or is one of the leaders in touches uh, averages like five yards a carry and has had back-to-back hundred yard games. Um, so my quarry, again, like I said, the, the, the passing portion of the offense, if we're gonna, if we're going to take it all in and say, Hey man, I get it. You could have your hardcore opinions about uh, Jacoby, but can we, At least for a moment while you're listening to this podcast, close your eyes and consider, hey, Kulinski has not been up to snuff. Braden Smith's gotten beat pretty consistently. Anthony Costanza's getting a little older. Ryan Kelly's gotten banged up. That's your offensive line. That's the story of their year. The wide receivers have been non existent. The tight ends now hurt. Half of them are gone, right? The primary tight ends in this offense, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. One of them's on IR. So I would say the offense has been a frigging nightmare and a disaster this whole season. It's been a patchwork of who's available. You're lucky that Andrew, or not Andrew, that Jacoby's not throwing to people literally off the street, which is what a lot of teams are forced to do because they don't have depth. So now the the issue is just familiarity, but now it's a must, right? Before it wasn't a big, it hasn't been a big deal until now, because at six and three as a starter and winning your division going into Thursday night on a quick turnaround at a game at the start of the season, I told you if the Colts are going to lose one, that's going to be one on a short turnaround going to Houston on a thir-
0: Thursday night. Did I not? Yeah. Yep, we. I, yeah, that was and, one we and both I, and said. And that's because
1: I'm a human being,
0: right? It so was I like one of the rare games we were both like, "Yeah, that's probably a loss."
1: Yeah, it's it's just tough, man. Because just think about being what doing whatever you do every day, except it also involves a flight that you have to make. And I get it, you fly, but think about this: think about doing a physically taxing job, like physically, like being. I would say like being on your feet all day, like being a horse handler, like that being a parent. Trap. Yeah, sure, <laughs> but like a stay-at-home parent, and you have, uh, twenty-one other children, right? So, the thing about or twenty-one kids, the thing about it is, it's That's just a lot of kids. It, it, the re, the reality is, <laughs> I think a lot of people are gonna be willing to throw Jacoby under the bus, because they're judged on their wins and their losses, and they get fired when they do bad. So everybody expects blindly right at the beginning of the season oh we're gonna need a new quarterback Jacoby's not it and up to this point I would argue that well I see him as a replaceable entity but I also don't have the full set of information I'm going to need the good news is though here's the good news Colts fans you're about to get it all of it for the next x number of weeks however many weeks are left in this season and I'm only saying that because who knows if he makes playoff right and who knows what happens. But what's going to have to happen – and I know I'm repeating myself, but it makes me excited, right? What's going to have to happen is he's going to have to establish rapport, and I mean immediately. And that game plan better be centered around – I don't even know what the good word is. Is ameliorating effective enough? Like they better just make secondaries it's look like Solid trash. word, yeah. Right, like I, I, I want teams to come away with, we have 11 defensive players to replace. Like I don't know what that outing was against that Colts uh, passing offense, but we look like we need new jobs because that better be what it needs to look like. And that's just to win games because you don't have Eric Ebron. You don't have Hines to dump it to. They're being phased out of the offense. You don't have Marlon Max. He so can't lean on the run and can't rush 40 times a game. Um, Jacoby calls the rush at the line a lot, and he's right a lot. And there's a reason the Colts have a top five rushing attack; it's because of the brains of Jacoby. And I'd also argue that, like I said, if we just if Adam Vinatieri the wheels don't fall off, we're eight and three, and people aren't as harsh on Jacoby as they're willing to be now. And I and like I said, I would just ask to reserve we- that. For fair.
0: A <laughs> to be fair, I've been harsh on Jacoby in wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pretty consistent. Now, I will say, I think that all these people that, like, one week are saying, you know, Jacoby's the answer. And then the next week, after he has a bad game, they're like, throw him in the trash. Nothing. There's nothing there. I'm like, all right, you got to need to be you know, intellectually honest about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't all of a sudden go from he's the savior to. He is the worst quarterback ever. You need to look at him wins and losses and have a a rational view of it. And that's probably one of the reasons why I upset a lot of people is because I am just logical to it. I'm like, no, this is what it is. Like, it is like there is this issue. Yes, they won. That's great. I'm super excited about it. But there isn't. I want to say it was after. Oh, which game was it this season? Um it, it was early in the season where I told you like he has trouble manipulating defenses with his eyes, anticipation, all this stuff. And okay. and, and, and yeah, but I'm ex I, I I honestly am excited to to see how the season ends up because they are gonna have to put a little bit more on Jacoby, and we really do need to see what he has. Because yeah. if you can all of it. Yeah, and, and, and you're spot on with it because you have to know. What he has, so then you know whether you need to make that upgrade, or whether you're going to be in position to. Because when you look at the 2020 quarterback class, oh my gosh, you know, you know Burrow's going in the top two two picks up there. You know, so so you've got one quarterback that's going to be gone, but with the Tua injury, you don't know where he's going to go after that. Do you? You know, does does Tua fall to that like 10-15 range? And you're able to to move up and grab him. Just Herbert fall. Yeah.
1: The, but,
0: like but my like my dream scenario is to get Herbert like out, out of that like have him fall off because people are like, oh well, he's this guy that nobody remembers. I think that he's a great player from Oregon. Then you've got you know Jordan Love is a guy that that Zach Hicks and I have have talked up for for a while now. And yeah, he's a little bit erratic, but with proper coaching and a year to sit and develop, kind of like what you saw with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, he could be a dynamic playmaker. Um, Gosh, Jacob Eason out of Washington. Um, You're starting to see um, Washington Mm -hmm. state's um, quarterback. And I can't think of his name right now. No, I just watched it. Uh, So yeah,
1: that was what I was going to go off on. And and like, you got
0: to find somebody that's an upgrade over him though. So like, you can't just draft a quarterback and say, I'm gonna put him in over Jacoby Brissett. You have to get a guy that you are comfortable saying is a better player than Jacoby Brissett. Are you
1: and ready? And that's you ready? I'm gonna tell yeah. you who it is. Like you you just said exactly what I was gonna say. You have to upgrade directly from Jacoby.
0: Yeah, you can't get you can't go get from. No. Because like nope. you if you draft from, you're drafting him in the, like the second or third round. Are you ready? He's not better than Jacoby Brissett. Jalen Hurts. Oh, that's your boy. I forgot about that. Consistently
1: hits his number one and two reads, manipulates the defense with his eyes, is extremely mobile, efficient with the football. Probably, I'd still say, through like 12 weeks of a season, which tells you he's consistent, probably the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. So for just rating people on efficiency, he's up there, probably Mm -hmm. number one. He has been for several weeks. But here's why I keep saying that. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to call it now. Quarterbacks are going to be a fire sale at the draft. There are, I can at least think of six. So that's a lot, by the way. That is a ton. Usually four is a good class. But there are six clear replacement or better level quarterbacks in this
0: class. Usually you're looking at like three quarterbacks in round
1: one. Like you're
0: looking at like. Two or three that are clear round one. You've got a guy that's gonna be around two, but it's gonna get that upgrade because yep. it's a premium premium position. So you'll maybe get the three, maybe four drafted. This year, there's a legit opportunity for teams to draft up to six quarterbacks in the first round.
1: That's what I'm saying. There are six and I and I and I'm not as much of like a, a grader as I, I watch college football. I don't know if any of the podcast listeners know. But I have started a job with a company called Hot Mike, where I actually broadcast and commentate live sporting events. The first game I broadcast was LSU Alabama. So obviously, I can sit here and tell you that live, while watching the game, I saw Tua, right? They they showed Tua, and Burrow clearly has got the juice, right? That's two they played in the same game and then Anthony Gordon from Washington State is a baller that Jordan Love kid from Utah State can freaking spin it that's 4 there's from that's 5 off the top of my head without even blinking i'm not looking at it in another screen either you're
0: not like, you didn't get herbert either in that. and
1: that's not that doesn't include herbert and that's i think because herbert's Oregon's lost a couple 15. games right like they've herbert's lost herbert's
0: going games. top 15 i think they lost they just had a bad loss to arizona state that, that, i think
1: that's probably why i haven't uh, Watch as much of herbert i'm also a usc fan so i've been paying attention to this young usc corner quarterback and not getting as getting to watch as much uh oregon as as i have but and i'm gonna go look at it now just because now i'm interested so let's look at uh rankings i just want to look at rankings burrow oh the kid from clemson's got another year right
0: yeah, Trevor Lawrence has got another year.
1: Got a year from, from Georgia, Tua from Alabama, um, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I'm just looking at top 25 to see if I can think of another quarterback. And then Herbert, they're 14th. They're 9-2, and two, so they're not awful. Um, and then, look, I think, I think I've seen the uh, – is it the Auburn quarterback? It's pretty tough. Um, yes, I mean – and if that doesn't include the Utah State quarterback, the Washington State quarterback. So, yeah, there's there's easily a half dozen first-round draft pick quarterbacks. And that's before the bowl games, the conference championships, senior bowl, the combine. Like, when you start your evaluation with, this class has six first-round gradable quarterbacks in it there's probably eight right and i'm and i'm obviously i'm overstating things to make a point i i love you
0: can make a case for for six seven quarterbacks in round one i think pretty easily yeah um yeah well i think you make a case for six pretty easily i think what you'll probably end up happening in this draft is you'll end up with three or four go and then somebody will Will drop out. Uh, like yeah. I, I, could see, you know, I could see Jordan Love or Jacob Eason or Jalen Hurts dropping into round two. And at that point, I think those are steals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at real quickly as we sit the first round draft order. Real quick, I just want to see it. Okay, Colts are
0: sitting 18th right now. Yeah, we're drafting
1: 18th. I know that. All right, so Bengals are drafting a quarterback. Giants are not. Dolphins are drafting a quarterback. I don't think the Redskins are. The Broncos will draft a quarterback. The Falcons are not.
0: But the Broncos have Drew Lock. They drafted a quarterback in the second round last year.
1: Yeah, but we're going to about to see him play, right? I think yeah. this week is the week he yeah, gets but activated. Yeah,
0: he was he was a put on IR early. Yep. And so I don't know whether whether Elway makes that decision um, and, and has him. Well, I know he makes that decision, but I don't know whether he. He bases whether he's going to pick a quarterback again next year based on a handful of plays.
1: Yeah, that's not fair. I can see Denver trading out then.
0: Yeah, well, that's always true.
1: And then Atlanta's not taking a quarterback. The Lions are not taking a quarterback. The Cardinals aren't taking a quarterback. The Jags at
0: nine. I don't think they're taking quarterback either. I think they've got Foles and Minshew, so I think they're – okay, Jets aren't taking a quarterback. Chargers. They might.
1: They might take a quarterback. So I think that's Bengals, Dolphins. That's
0: three. That's
1: three. Okay. Bucks.
0: Maybe. Pretty much
1: rolling with Jameis, right? He's still under 30.
0: Yeah, he's still under 30, and, and Arians really likes him. Yeah, so. and
1: then the Eagles, Do you, are you moving on from Wentz?
0: No. Nope.
1: The Raiders, are you moving on from Derek Carr? Nope.
0: Uh, should, the Browns, but are you are. moving
1: on from Baker Mayfield? Nope. Carolina Panthers.
0: They like Kyle Allen right they now. They really like they're, Kyle they're, Allen. They're moving on from Cam, I know that. Which is crazy,
1: right? What <laughs> yeah, a change of the guard there.
0: And then, was,
1: yeah. hey, the Raiders pick again, and then the Colts. So what we say? Three quarterbacks have been drafted. The Colts Three, are drafting Three, maybe 18. four. So there's a good chance the Colts have a shot at it. And that's all I was trying to get to is to the Colts pick. Uh, with the 18th pick, I'm telling you, there's going to be four quarterbacks left that are clear upgrades in certain areas and ones that we've evaluated as important, right? And what we figured out watching Jacoby Brissett are you have to be able to throw on the run. You have to have a really fast release, a quick grasp of an offense. And more importantly is you have to trust your wide receivers to make a play on the ball and put it where only they can catch it, and do it regularly. Because mm-hmm. this is what successful quarterbacks do. It's not about how high your completion percentage is. It's about uh, the, how far uh, the pass, like how many yards per play your pass yields. So, in my eyes, for the record, and I know people are out there. Going, what? A lot of people say if it's a seven, third and seven, you should throw the ball seven yards deep. Not necessarily true. You need to make sure that the player's in position to be seven yards downfield when they have come down with the ball, made the catch, and made a play upfield a little, right? So a lot of people, for the record, on uh, Thursday were complaining about Jacoby's pass to Eric Ebron on, like, third and seven, and they threw it to him five yards on the move, and, like, he got wrapped up. Fine. But what we need what we need, is a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's just a little faster Trusts his number one and two reads a little better. Throws with anticipation better. Uh, uh, he, he utilizes your offense and all of your weapons. He, may, he raises the level of play of those around him. And I'm not saying that Jacoby doesn't do it. It's just Jacoby strains the other players on offense by leaning on them really hard. When T.Y. was healthy, and I learned this over the course of the year. When T.Y. is healthy, he was a magnet. Like Jacoby would stare him down and just put it there, make him make a play. That's how he ends mm-hmm. up banged up, right? Eric Ebron, yeah.
0: Well, it's, how, it's also how they got, got a bunch of picks yeah. early in the season because he'd stare down yeah. and throw. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so the the difference from what I've said to what I'm saying is I'm still saying hold the line. I think that there are other areas of improvement that may be more pressing at 18 based on four quarterbacks getting
0: chosen prior to that pick. And this is a really good point that you bring up is you got to look at the talent that's available versus the talent that you, you feel that's like you have going, have. because what, if there are four quarterbacks that go in front of the Colts and the Colts are, are picking at 18, which obviously we're, we're hoping that they pick 32, but Realistically, that's probably not going to happen this year. Um, You know, they – if four quarterbacks go ahead, that means a couple things. Either Mm -hmm. uh, an interior defensive lineman like a Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw has dropped, and you take those at that position. Although Grover Stewart's been playing great um, this past year. Uh, Or one of the wide receivers drops like uh, Henry Ruggs or Mm -hmm. um, the – the wide receiver Chanel out of Colorado. Um, I don't think that Chase a guy, from LSU. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, or Jefferson. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> you've Jerry, got or Jerry Judy. Come on, Jerry. well Jerry Judy's going top ten. Uh, maybe a CD lamps drops unexpectedly. Right. We'll take um, it. And so you you've got to weigh that that option of saying, okay, here at eighteen, I could take a premier defensive tackle or wide receiver, or at that point, you might be able to take a a left tackle replacement for Anthony Costanzo um, for a long-term replacement for him. And those are harder to find, and you've got to take them early in the draft. Otherwise, you're going to, you either have to rely on coaching and hope that the coaches can can get them into shape, or you're going to be just kind of hoping and so you either take them early or you got to hope and have good coaching. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point to bring up, is that you, you have to weigh what's there with what your team needs. And then is drafting the, say, four quarterbacks go. And you're left with Jacob Eason and uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, or a uh, Jalen Hurts or a Jordan Love there, Jacob Beeson. I think Jacob Beeson's pretty safe to say he, he'd be there. And and then a Jalen Hurts or Jordan Love. Do you take one of those guys there, or do you take the better player, the better football player there, and then hope that one of those guys is available at Washington's pick at the beginning of the second round? Are you ready? Which is looking, and you know, here's what I would, here's what Trade I would do. Trade back that i was going to say you trade back you get more picks <laughs> yep and and this is this is the thing though is yes. like you and i can predict it like yes. ballard's either he's, he's trading gonna trade, back he's going to trade back he'll he's either trading. trade back or this is the other option he'll take the player if it's a if it's a a top wide receiver or a defensive tackle that he just doesn't feel like he can pass up yep and he trades up that washington pick going from from 36 To or 35-36, which is probably where Washington's going to be in that 33-36 to range, to 31-32, right around there. So you can go up and get your quarterback. That's going to cost you maybe a a fourth-round pick to move up those spots, maybe a third-round pick. And you move up at that point, you get your quarterback that you wanted, and then you get that fifth-year option. And it's the exact same formula that that Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson is they moved up I think they moved up like 10 or 12 spots from the second round to to the end of the first to 32 to grab Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wanted to get that fifth year option. And for quarterbacks, it's that's a huge deal right. to get that. And so that's another reason why I think if the Colts mm-hmm. are going to take a quarterback, it's going to be in in round one either. They take it at the late teens, early 20s when their draft pick comes up, they trade back pick up some extra ammunition, still get their quarterback or they trade up from the Washington pick and go into the back half of the first round and get their quarterback there. Um, I just think that there's a, there's a couple options there. Um, one thing that I, I'm going to switch subjects on you real yeah. quick. Cause I wanted to talk about the, there's a, a lot of people talking about the right press conference when they talked about Eric Ebron. And uh, to me, I listened to that. And a lot of people were saying, oh, Reich sounded like he was he was really upset. He was throwing him under the bus like he came in and and Ebron said it was his decision. And and they went through it. When I listened to that press conference, it just seemed like Reich sounded, you know, obviously surprised and and, you know, upset as any coach would be if they're going to lose a player. That's a key player. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't feel I didn't I didn't sense any kind of anxiety or angst towards ebron it was more you know he came in and and we had he said they had this ankle issue that's been hurting him all year he's been in and out we've seen and we've seen this when he pops up on the injured list um on the injury report like sporadically he'll pop up on it and we're like what's he going on and it always is ankle or lower leg or something like that and so he's had this going on for the the majority of the year um admitted that he had had gotten a Dinged up a little bit in training camp, went in, got some imaging done, and then said that he hadn't heard much about it since then. And unless of a player, unless the doctors come up and say, "Hey, this player can't go," my guess is the head coach doesn't really get into that. That intensity. As long as the guy's out there practicing and playing every week, he probably doesn't even necessarily realize that there's a major issue there. So to have Ebron come in and say, "Hey, this is this is a kind of a big thing," like I didn't take it as as Reich was throwing Ebron under the bus. I took it as, or or that, and it might have been Ebron making a business decision, but I don't think it was necessarily because, for one, Ebron's message to the fans it was really you know, that he put out on Twitter and I imagine probably on Instagram, um, saying, "You know, thanks for you know all this. I look forward to being back." Didn't make me think that he was closing the door on an opportunity with the Colts. Um, and then hearing Wright's comments from Reich, I was like, I don't think that he's necessarily closing the door on Ebron coming back either. Right. And so there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, that's his last game, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, I I listened to that press conference, just seems like it caught Reich off guard as I think yep. any any major injury that's going to put a guy on IR is. And he said, you know, we had that conversation with Eric. We had it with, with Chris Ballard. Um, they had their conversations privately, and they felt like it was probably for the best, given the pain that he was going through. Now, you, you weigh that in the fact that you had, like, TUI last year going through the end of the season, the playoffs, with, like, barely, like, just dragging that leg behind him. Right. On, on his ankle and still came out and play so I don't think that looks good for Ebron that he didn't try to rehab it and stay on the active roster and play um, but at the same time I didn't get the sense that that Reich was really upset about it uh, beyond him losing a player that, that right. he was hoping to rely on and so that that's just my take from it and I you know you heard a lot of reporters that said that it sounded like Ebron made this decision by himself, and it might have been. Um, but all those decisions, when it's down to the wire like that, it comes to the player yeah. a lot of times. If, it, if it's tight, like the coaches and, and this front office will defer. If, if the player doesn't think that they can play, there's not a whole lot they can do.
1: Right, and that's one of the things that we're going to have to come to grips with moving forward is that we're past the playing through pain portion of football as an entertainment option. We're on to, I've been telling people this as long as I can remember watching NFL football is in my eyes, like watching Olympic athletes, people that if they weren't wearing pads would be Olympians Sprinters, doesn't matter, pole vaulters, javelin throwers, whatever. I, they'd be doing it. That are also wearing pads, moving at full speed, and hitting other Olympians like 100 plus times a game. So that's that's what's really happening out there. Is like the best athletes in the world are going to get banged up, varying degrees of injuries. You're going to see varying degrees of, and I'm using air quotes, toughness. But ultimately, like you said, regardless of whether it was a business decision, whether he, he under the advisement of his doctor, where his doctor said, "Hey, now that you, you, now that you lost control of the division, and you know not all hope is lost, uh, it's not as imperative that you're there. Uh, go ahead and go get surgery," and then he just comes to work with a doctor's note, like you would if you're in high school, and says, "Hey, I'm going to get my ankles sawed off or whatever." Right? So. I get mm-hmm. that there, there will always be your shock jocks, your reactionaries that say things like, clearly this means he won't be back. Here's what yeah. I think. You don't normally buy a house, build a family, invest in the city, volunteer for Arsenal Tech High School to help young kids observe their mentors uh, and reward them for their help uh with Campbell's I don't think you do that and didn't get a lot of press uh I didn't see it all over the place it I don't think you do that leaving walking out the door
0: um well and for those people that when it was first reported and they were like oh it, it's a business decision you know he made this decision I'm like, oh own. No, I go my, my initial gut reaction was oh well then he must he must be gone like from the way they made it sound it was like, all right, well, maybe he went to Chris Ballard and said, hey, let's work out an extension now. And Chris Ballard is like, eh, you know, maybe we'll see. Let's see what, <laughs> see what you get. And then he's like, all right, you, you know what? I can't play anymore. That's not what I got from Reich at all. And that's what like people were trying to make me believe was just from little snippets of quotes. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like Reich and how no. he would approach his players. And doesn't sound like Ballard and how he would approach just players, and it doesn't sound like how Eric Ebron's presented himself over the past two years. Um, and so that's where I was. That's where I was like, I've got to listen to this from, by myself, like oh, yeah. for myself, because I'm not trusting what other people are telling me, because it just seems like they're reading a lot into it for stories, and that's not a good way to get your information.
1: Right, and and, and like I like I was trying to say is a lot of these. A lot of these things that you're seeing are just opinions. These people put this information out there because regardless if it's right, it gets clicks. Uh, And I think a lot of the things that you read are, you know, jumping the shark has become the norm. Where people are trying to make a statement that is so far ahead of it actually matriculating that it's not – in the realm of likely nor is it sensible to approach right so a lot of the times when people say things like they're not they're saying something without the all the information necessary to make a statement like that it's it's up in the air whether or not it'll actually come true or is true so it's like not grounded in truth it's grounded in hyperbole and like that's most of the time when i see stuff i'm like that's hyperbole that's, again, that's not something that we want um, to, you know, you don't really, I don't really want to be uh, affiliated. And if anybody
0: wants to get more hyperbole and comments from us, you can follow us on Twitter.
1: Yeah.
0: Jared absolutely. At likely alien and myself, Stephen Reed, at nice read Steve. That's Reed, R E E D. Mm-hmm. How about hey. that right there? That's pretty good, right? That was did fantastic, that? and you I could. I probably shouldn't have said that in the podcast, should I?
1: No, you absolutely shoot. Should. I messed
0: it up. You know, All you right, did no, great. No, yeah, no, great, great, perfect.
1: Is it Pod Pancake on Twitter?
0: It is. Yeah, the so handle. Follow, follow.
1: Afternoon pancakes. Uh, most mostly tagging Pod Pancakes with our hot takes. Uh, but yeah, make sure you follow us on hot social takes, media. Hot takes,
0: hot cakes, Pod Pancakes. Woo! Yeah, baby. So one thing that I think we should bring up is – you, next, you yeah. mentioned this before. Yeah. Um, you had <laughs> mentioned this before that the uh, – talking about the pl- the division and, and the playoffs. And even after this loss to the, to the Texans and, yeah, the Colts now – of course winning the game would have been better because they would have effectively had a two – the Colts would have had effectively a two-game lead over the Texans in the division. Um, But there's still a realistic shot for the Colts to make the playoffs right now. Yes, they do not have the tiebreaker over the Steelers or Oakland um, right now. However, the Steelers uh, still play the Ravens, I believe. And they also play the Browns, um, I want to say, coming up later in the season. And then if the the Colts still have a legitimate shot to win the division. Now, don't get me wrong, it's going to be hard because you have to go to uh to new orleans on that monday night game and that's going to be difficult i don't think anybody's going to tell you any differently that that's that's going to be a tough game and so that game's gonna be tough but if the colts can win out and surprise everybody and win that game and the texans lose one of those two games to the titans the colts then again are in control and so because at that point, the Colts will have the division-better record over the Titans. And so, the Steelers, here's who the Steelers play. They play the Browns this week. Then they have the Cardinals in Arizona. And then they play the Bills. Then they have the Jets, which is going to be a cakewalk. And they end the season with the Ravens. At that point, the Ravens, um, if they continue winning, will be in a dead heat with the Patriots for the one seed. So they're unlikely to, to rest their starters that game um, unless for whatever reason, the Ravens drop a couple games in there and are are locked into the two seed. Um, and so you're going to see the Steelers. I, I honestly don't think the Steelers, Steelers could realistically lose like two or three of those games in there. Yeah. And, and so I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for them. Nope. If you look at the Raiders remaining schedule, um, they've got they go to the Chiefs this weekend, then they host the Titans, then they host the Jags, and then they go to the Chargers and go to the Broncos. So the Raiders actually have five could be five difficult games there. Um, the only one that that might be a little bit easier is the Broncos, but it's in Denver, and that defense is still probably one of the best in the league. And so, the the Raiders also could could hit some stumbling blocks there, um, so it's just one of those things where if the Colts are able to, to they don't even necessarily have to win out. Of course, that would be ideal. Um, but you know the for example the Texans they play the Patriots, then they have the Broncos again better defense than what people give them credit for, right. and then they have the Titans and they go to the Bucks. Uh, so Tampa Bay that'll be a win for for Houston and then they they host the Titans. If Texans lose either of those games to the Titans, the Colts are then in the driver's seat because right. the Texans will be 4 and 2 in the division and if the Colts win out they'll be 5 and 1. And the division is that first tiebreaker. Right. Now, the second tiebreaker or the third tiebreaker, because first tiebreakers head to head, the the Colts and Texans have now split, so that that you move to the second tiebreaker, which is division. Right now, the Texans and and Colts are both tied at, I believe, three and one records in the division. And then you go, after that, you go to common opponents, and the Texans beat the Raiders and Chargers, um, but they lost to the Saints and Panthers. And so... You're going to have an opportunity there for the Colts. Now, the other thing is if the Colts can sweep the rest of the division. I believe the Texans. Now, the Texans have, have beaten out all the rest of the division teams. Yeah, so, they're,
1: well, they're three and one, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so you would have to win all those games and hope that the the Texans lose to either the Broncos or the Buccaneers. Um, and so yeah, it, like if the Texans the the Texans can lose, can lose to the Patriots next week, and not really have anything bad happen to them. Like, yeah, they would go end up with a tie with the Colts um, in the division if the Colts win next week against the Tex- or Titans, um, which isn't a a guarantee by any means. Um, but then it, it just sets them up to where the Colts and, and Texans really kind of run out for the. For that wild card spot. So, um, so, so I'm,
1: wh- I'm going to call it now. I've looked at all their schedules. The Colts are the only team in the in the, in this conversation. Texans, Raiders, uh, Steelers, Steelers, Colts. Those are the four teams I just looked at. Mm-hmm. The Colts are the only, and I know, I get it. I'm a homer, but you're going to make homer statements like this. Of their five remaining games each. The only team that I do not definitely see two losses
0: is the Colts. Is the Colts? The mm-hmm. Colts
1: have the most realistic opportunity to go four and one in their remaining five. Again, that's a ten-win season. And I get it. Again, I'm fully admitting this is about as hyperbolic as I get. I think that at best, and I'm saying that with confidence too at the best the texans go 3 and 2, the raiders go 3 and 2 and i think the steelers are in trouble.
0: Yeah, i think i think at best all this all this teams go 3 and 2. Yeah. No, no, uh, i mean
1: like it could get worse. They could go 2 like, and 3 or worse. The, right? Yeah,
0: and that's that's with o- oakland or um, pittsburgh i think could go yeah. it is 3 or, 3 and 2 or worse. Yeah. I think the texans probably end up 3 and 2 in the last 5. That's kind of what I see.
1: They're going to lose know, to the Patriots and they got to drop a game to Tennessee. That's just annual tradition.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, and, and that's the thing like if if the Texans can lo- loses to if the, the Texans lose to Tennessee in either of those games, like I said, the Colts then get back control of the division. Right. And that's huge because as a reminder, the Colts still have the the tiebreaker over Kansas City being a, a head-to-head matchup. And so you have that tiebreaker, and the problem is with that tiebreaker is would you rather be the three seed or the four seed? If you're the three seed, you're guaranteed to go to the two seed if you can win in the playoffs. And I know we're, like, way down the road, you know, projecting here. Yeah. But if you have the three seed, you're you're going to probably – yeah, assuming that the Patriots don't lose for the rest of the season, No, the Texans could knock off the Patriots this weekend.
1: Yeah, that could happen. Certainly, certainly it, in the own possibility. But it's going to take that for them to get over ten wins. They uh, also have to beat the Patriots. The, yeah. So I just that's why I said it the way I said it was. It's so much more likely just on paper that the Colts go X one than it is likely that the other three teams go three and two or better. Or better. Because they have to all be better than three and two. And if the Colts play that, that team, they also have to win it. But look at Tennessee. Tennessee is not in the conversation in my eyes either because I think they lose their next five games. <laughs> so <laughs> like they're going to lose to the Colts. They're gonna lose at the Raiders, they're gonna to lose to the Texans at home, the Saints at home, and then the Texans on the road to close their season. So yeah. Tennessee is in a heap I just realized that Tennessee's in a heap of trouble. Um yeah, their are end uh, of season is tough. Yeah, their end of season is not pretty. Uh, and I'll, I'll give it to them. They did pound the Jaguars, they did beat the Chiefs. Uh, I
0: think this is a this might be a, an interesting game for the Colts this weekend. It, it's this game this weekend, I think is the Colts season.
1: It is, and and the reason that it is, is they get 11 days or 10 days mm -hmm. to get as many healthy bodies back and ready to ball as possible. So here's my question to close the show out. Let's say T.Y. Hilton is healthy enough to play and plays better, obviously. Feels closer to 100% than he did on Thursday night. And the Colts get... Either Funch or Campbell and Kari Willis back because that's a long layoff. Those guys are already questionable. There's a higher probability they play. Mm Mm-hmm. And you see the the Tennessee Titans for exactly what they are.
0: They're a good defensive team with a muddling offense. Thank you. How do you if anybody ne- wanted to know what Jared felt <laughs> about
1: Tennessee, so, so in case you wondered what I think about Tennessee, uh, most people don't because the only people that care are Tennessee fans, and I think of the Tennessee Titans fans are the worst as the redheaded stepchild uh, of Colts fans. Like we're not, we're not the of the same ilk. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is not equal to Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, uh, but he's a
0: lot better than Marcus Mariota. <laughs>
1: But he's a lot better than Marcus Mariota, which is basically yeah. like saying uh, manure say is acceptable Don't coffee uh, in, the, in absence <laughs> of actual coffee. Um, so the, the reality is the data tells me that the Titans are even more middling and average on offense than the Colts appear because the staggering thing about the Colts, and this tells you how your eyes deceive you. The Colts are a top 10 most efficient offense in the NFL in terms of drive averages, points per drive, like they score. The big issue that they have is without downfield threats, it's difficult to sustain long drives. So when they're losing the field position game, they tend to muddle around, to use your word. The Titans put themselves in similar positions and have even less playmakers available, so when it comes to playing a home game following a 10 day layoff, there isn't a planet I've ever been on where you lose this game at home. Uh, but if it were going to happen, I guess it would be during this nightmare um, of a season so far. Uh, and I'd realize now. And
0: if they lose this game, like at that point, you're pretty much shot in the division. Like you can't win the division. No. You might be able to pull off a wild card, right. um, but you'd be a game effectively two games back of Oakland and Pittsburgh. If they went, if both teams win this week with four to play, it's really hard to overcome that because you have to catch up to them in the win column. And then you have to pass them by at least a half a game because they beat you. Yeah. And so like at that point you're like, all right, let's see let's start looking at the draft let's hope we can make the playoffs somehow it works but you realistically gotta start start looking at the next next thing one thing i wanted to mention before we we close is to make a comment that both edger and james and reggie wayne made the semifinalist list for the hall of fame this year yeah
1: that's what i'm talking about reggie and so, reggie and edge baby
0: yeah i think they're gonna go in i think they're gonna go in this year and i think they're gonna go in together and i think that the colts will get the Hall of Fame game next year because of it.
1: Which would be fantastic because with Andrew retiring, the Colts as an organization really need a lift. They need a facelift because the few, I keep saying this, but the future is so bright. I promise we are in good hands.
0: I still don't think that, that luck might be, might be done. Like there's a part of me that like, and it might be like this childish hope that he's, Going to come back and play. But like, you see him around the building, he's clearly still, still working out.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, he might have just really needed that year off to, to reset. Yeah. And now I don't know how well that'll play in the locker room, but once he starts winning games for him again, the locker room will forget.
1: Well, the thing about it is, now that I think about it, no Marlon Mack. No T.Y. Hilton, basically. No Eric Ebron because no Andrew Luck. And they did – oh, man, that's a conspiracy theory. We got to wrap this episode up. We'll talk about this for hours. Yo, Andrew Luck's coming back next episode. Like, think about that. All the Pro Pro Bowl offensive (laughs) players are injured now. And that also includes Andrew Luck who retired before the season began because he was really hurt. And maybe they realized that, like, last year they had such a good run to the end of the year and came up short and then realized that they still needed to get some pieces. And then Funches goes down. Um, you know what I mean? And Andrew looks like, you know what? I'm about to be a dad. Let me take fun- the year off deal down. with these
0: injuries. Funches went down week one, though. No, I'm,
1: I get it. But I'm saying, like, yeah, that's a cool conspiracy. See. Yeah, like, well uh-
0: – Andrew's it's more like of a, a Chris Shepard kind of thing. <laughs> like this leave is it, this is really down the Texas. rabbit hole. Yeah, like this is. But think this is about really that. All the, the, all the other
1: really Pro Bowl offensive players are out or have been injured.
0: And it might be that they are like letting these guys take some rest during the week because they're like, you know what, Luck's coming back next year. That's what I'm and saying. they're they let's go ahead and make sure you guys are healthy. You don't suffer any like torn ACLs, Achilles, anything like that. So we're just going to ease you guys back in and then luck's going to come back next year and, and they'll go from there.
1: See what they're trying to do. Yeah, this is, this is, is terrible. Trying, we shouldn't do they're that. Trying, shouldn't talk about they're this. trying to <laughs> sell you on the idea of Jacoby Brissett as a, as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And what's going to happen is everything's you know, let's say Colts make the playoffs by the hair of their chin, and Jacoby. How they're gonna make it if they do. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Jacoby gets a, a win, or maybe even two. And then this off season, it's a, it's a. Everyone's coming to the Colts like, hey, what's going on with the rights to Andrew Luck, and the and the Colts trade Jacoby for, and I'm assuming they get like some dumb haul. Right, like somebody gives him a first-round pick for Jacoby because he's a top-20 quarterback. I just told you that in every category. You just want a little more. Well, more is Andrew Luck waiting in the wings. <laughs> the Colts trade Jacoby, get a first-round pick. Now we got two, and it's on.
0: Like, yeah, I don't pro- think they're going to get a first-round pick for Jacoby. I would love it if that happened, but I don't think they're going to get a first-round pick. What do you I think, think he might be able to get a second-round pick for Jacoby. Get a second-round pick for like, And you're looking at like mid-second round. So you're looking at like a team like the Chargers, you right. know, some, somebody like that that's got kind of a oh, mid-second round Oh, that makes sense,
1: too, because uh, Rivers, R- Rivers to... went to NC State, yeah. too.
0: He did, yeah. Take out ah! NC State. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just keeps <laughs> unraveling. Yeah, we figured yeah, it out. You. Afternoon Pancakes, Black. detective Afternoon Service.
1: Pancakes predicts Jacoby Brissett is the Chargers starting quarterback next year.
0: 2020. <laughs> It's funny. Talk about
1: about a hot take.
0: Let's talk about the game this weekend. (laughs) So
1: So the Colts play the Tennessee Titans at home, 1 o'clock. I think that this past couple weeks have shown you how important these players are as individuals. So getting guys back healthy is the greatest part about a 10-day layoff. Is, yes, Eric Ebron's out, but... 10 days is a lot for a guy like Funches or Kari Willis or Paris Campbell or even T.Y., right? Give T.Y. Hilton 10 days rest. And I think the Colts at that level are just straight up better than the Titans at a lot of positions. Is that fair?
0: I think you're – I think – you're right to a point um, okay. because what, what matters is the injuries. Uh, if, if they're healthy, the Colts are better, you know, at, at, at several positions. I think that the Tennessee Titans have a better defense um, than the Colts. And it, it's just a different type of defense um, mm-hmm. than what the Colts play. Um, and that defense always seems to give the Colts feds. I do think that the Colts defense is, is prepared to kind of shut down Derek Henry which is, you know, the Tennessee lifeblood. Um, And you could see Henry, you know, rattle off a 50, 60 yard run um, because he seems to do that like every game. Um, But the Colts have held him relatively in check. I think he did have like one game or one run a couple years back that was like a 70 yard run garbage time. Um, But they, the wide receivers for, for Tennessee, you assume with, with the Colts releasing Shaq Taylor um, from the roster that Yassine's going to be coming back, he's going to be healthy. So the Colts should be healthy again at their, their DB uh, position, both at corner and safety. You, you hope Willis is going to be back um, back in um, back up to the level he played at the beginning of the season. Um, you can effectively shut down the, – the Colts' defense can effectively shut down the Tennessee offense. Uh, that said, the Tennessee defense can effectively shut down the Colts offense um, because they've got uh, Simmons uh, came out, came off of IR and he's played well so far up at the middle at the defensive tackle spot. Um, and you've had, you know, Harold Landry play well Um Their, their defensive backfield has been solid uh, for Tennessee. And so I think this is going to be a tighter game than what a lot of people assume. Uh, but I still think the Colts are able to pull off the win at home. I think it's going to come down. Uh, you're probably looking at a three- or four-point game, in my opinion, um, and it's kind of a coin flip on, on either way, which way it will go. I think the Colts will win um, probably something like 24-20, uh, something along those lines.
1: Yeah, the, the the Colts' defense has definitely been the most consistent uh, of the two right between the, the Colts O and Colts D the defense has been the last eh, several weeks great inside the 20 spotty between the 20s right like it, the, the Colts defense is that still on that bend the, don't
0: break the red zone defense the red zone defense for the Colts might be the best in the league right and the, but, but the from 20 20s. to 20, <laughs> 20 to 20 they give up big plays yeah. but it's one of those things where you know if you can if you can keep them from those big plays those big touchdowns you you've got a chance
1: so they say you get three points for being the home team and right now the Colts are two and a half point favorite over unders 43 and a half i go Colts 23 titans 22. Like a one a one point about okay like 24-20. yeah exactly yeah. like what you said is what Vegas yeah, it's thinks a is gonna 20. Happen. 24 Twenty four twenty ball game um yeah I mean I've, obviously Derrick Henry's an issue AJ Brown's an issue that Titans offensive line I, I
0: still love AJ Brown like he was one of my favorite receivers coming out this past yep. year I'm glad to see that that he had shown up and, and has played well this year. He was one of my my top guys. Hakeem Butler was one of my top guy, but he got injured early in the season. And hasn't played for for Arizona, so we'll see.
1: But yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I think the Colts win, move to seven and five, four and one in the division. Meanwhile, like we've like we've been saying, and I get and I get it, sounds homerish, but I I really kind of feel like uh, the Texans lose uh, at home on Sunday night to the Patriots, um, and that means. The Colts control the division, right? Or they'd be
0: tied? No. The the only game that the Texans can lose and still control the division is the Patriots game. Because oh, okay. the the... So nothing changes. Yeah, nothing changes. Because the Texans have a better conference record in terms of the AFC. Because the Colts' losses have all come to... Pretty much, I think almost all of them have come to A- AFC opponents. It's you know the Chargers, Raiders, uh, Steelers, Dolphins, and now Texans. The Texans' losses have come to like Carolina, New orleans and and those guys off in the NFC. And so, and then I think they also lost to Baltimore and the Colts. Um, so I think the Texans have only lost two AFC games. The Colts have lost five. And so the Patriots game, since the Colts and didn't play the Patriots this year. It's the one game of Houston's five that it matters. nothing in terms of seeding or placement. So that's why I'm like, you know, if the, if the Texans are going to lose a game, I want them to lose one of their last four, either to, to Denver, one of the games to the Titans or to uh, Tampa Bay. Because that's because Colts play all those guys. And if the Colts went out, they then be, have the better common opponent a big complicated formula just trust us
1: yeah we're hoping <laughs> we're hoping that that equals the colts and a three seed at the best well, well and
0: hopefully you know if the colts if the texans lose to the patriots and then they lose again to the titans that effectively gives the colts a one and a half game lead rather than a one game lead and then because, we're right back
1: where we were had we won this past week, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It's basically a two-game lead, and you're not really going to lose that with a few games to play.
0: Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't lose to the Jaguars at the end of the season, you're fine.
1: Yeah. Got to get healthier. Maybe we'll have Marlon Mack back. That that would actually be nice, get Marlon Mack back for a big couple... Of... Paris
0: Campbell back for, you know, the right said that he might be playing this week, so... That's what I'm the saying. Have, the Colts have a lot, like they have a lot to prove. Uh, they have a lot to prove, and and you're about to see, in the final final weeks of the season, you know, whether Brissett's the real deal. Yeah. And that's that's honestly like the best thing Colts fans should look for for the remainder of the season is hope they win, hope they make the playoffs. But this is a great time to evaluate what you have on the roster, so you can chart a course for where you want to go in the future. And it, it's interesting. The reason why we bring up Jordan Love um, from Utah State quite a bit, and again, Zach and I have been on this train from the beginning of this season, or Zach Hicks and I, um, and and there's been five games this season that Chris Ballard has gone to, and two of them were Ohio State games, two of them were Notre Dame games, one against Virginia, one against Virginia Tech. And then this past weekend he went to Utah State uh, to see – Utah State play, I don't know, I, I don't know who they, who they played, but it's just interesting because, you know, Ohio State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you've got top-tier talent across the board, right. and then Utah State has really one guy that everybody's talking about.
1: Right. Right, and maybe they were there to evaluate those wide receivers, because I know, George, I watched the Utah State game this past weekend, I thought, man, he's got tall wide receivers, Um. So the wide receivers
0: aren't great, but no, not
1: great, but tall. Mm -hmm. Um, and like he's got lanky, big, tall, lanky wide receivers, which is great, especially playing in that conference. Um. But yeah, obviously, like like we said, to sum up what we've said here, I'm not ready to hang it up on Jacoby because you're about to call his number a lot, and then, yeah, I I still don't have a problem re going and getting a prospect, but. I'm still on this Chris Ballard is so smart that if I'm if I'm seeing it and saying it and I'm saying look at 18 there isn't a team behind the Colts that need a quarterback. This tells me something. It tells me that there's going to be a team that needs to get a quarterback and has to reach and they and the Colts are a great trade partner because they're likely to do that. So some team is going to trade the Colts and that just means the Colts get like the 25th pick or something. They trade swap first and we'll give you a fifth or something. You know what I mean? One of those kind of deals. And I don't know how that works. So I don't know what the math would look like.
0: Wait, where are you going for from I'm the saying, back? The I'm top end of round the, two to the back end of round one.
1: Negative. I'm saying the Colts trade out of the 18th pick to the uh, end of the first round. Cause okay. um, somebody. So you're gonna... probably
0: looking at for, for a drop that far um, from say like 15 to 18 to 25 to 30 you're probably looking at picking up an extra second and third round pick there
1: see because I think the Colts have more than a singular issue I think the Colts need help on the defensive interior I think the pretty clearly they gotta take a shot at a wide receiver and I'd argue now tight end becomes something that you gotta kind of research because you've got a tight end on IR, and Mo alley Cox hasn't really been a big part of the offense, uh, other than a blocker. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Colts are are in an admirable pre- admirable position given. Watch
0: for Mo alley Cox this weekend. Right and now that he, I said he's that got that an right. opportunity. Yeah, like now that you triggered that, like he's got a great opportunity to really kind of show what he's developed into, and it's gonna help the Colts make that decision on whether they bring back Eric Ebron. Like personally, I think they're going to bring back Ebron on another two year deal. Um, but if Mulally Cox shows out, then you could see them saying, all right, Ebron, go ahead, go ahead and test the market, see what you get. And then, uh, we'll see, we'll talk. Um, but I think Molly Cox has a real opportunity here because the Texans DB or the Titans DBs are really good. Um, their corners and safeties, um, and the Colts can exploit that mismatch with the tight ends with Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. And and then Ross Travis, people that you had mentioned Ross Travis being somebody that Eric Ebron really liked um, yep. in your interview with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts brought in Ross Travis, uh, signed him um, back to the roster. So he's he's back in the fold and, and back with the horseshoe. And so the Colts, you know, it's another guy that knows the offense and, and we can look forward to to likely seeing him on the field sooner than later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I just realized how exciting the end of this year is about to be, because regardless of what happens this week, at some point this year, you're going to see an offense fully healthy, barring further injury, with Marlon Mack and now Jonathan Williams backing him up spelling him keeping him fresh while also being effective in the run game and the pass game and then you're going to see games where the targets are ty paris campbell devin Funches, right jack doyle right the way th- and then now Moali cox in the absence of eric ebron um i actually think that looks really really good uh, at the end of the year, and now that I'm being a little more critical, six and five is not a bad spot to be in given the circumstances. That's not awful.
0: No, it's actually good. Given the circumstances, eight, could be eight and
1: three. You, you if, had your if,
0: top quarter, like you had your all-pro quarterback retire two weeks before the season. Your backup quarterback, who's a top twenty quarterback. Missed two games. Mm-hmm. Had your all pro linebacker miss two or three games in the middle there. You've had your a pro bowl wide receiver miss four games in the middle there. You've had your number two wide receiver miss the entire season thus far. Had your number three wide receiver miss the bulk games, of the season. Yeah, the majority of the season with like snake bite injuries. You've had your mm-hmm. number four wide receiver go down with uh, an ankle fracture in. In training camp, you know, you had your
1: Pro- fifth Bowl wide receiver Deion Cain
0: comes Cain, back from injury and is ineffective. He yeah, he played for and the
1: Steelers and had one catch, and everybody's like, "Oh, look, the Colts gave away another one." Um, no,
0: he had one catch. It, it is what it is. Um, and then Zach Pasteau
1: elevated elevated himself within mm-hmm. that group. So that tells you, given his recent production, what that tells you about that room. Similarly with Marcus Johnson. I think
0: you had Mar- – didn't Malik Hooker miss a game too? Yeah, Malik Hooker two a game. Or two in a there. game. You know, Willis Kyrie Willis starting is starting safety. With concussions. Um, Clayton Gaithers might as well be missing games. <laughs> yeah, he's just um, missing in general. No, uh, Chester uh, Rogers goes to the same – no, I, I'm just kidding about those guys. But like, who was the, the uh, – Nico like,
1: Autry got hurt, right?
0: Or is it two? right?
1: Autry, Autry
0: got hurt. But he, I don't think I don't know if he missed any games. One of them Um, is
1: out. There's a player out for the year for the Colts that was going to be really good defensively,
0: like a a a big
1: defensive lineman.
0: Oh, Teray. Yeah, Kamoko Teray. Not not a big defensive lineman, but the he was emerging as a a dominant pass rusher. Yeah, the Colts have suffered more injuries, more more setbacks than anybody else. So six and five is actually. Not a bad place to be, given oh. the circumstances. Um, and six and
1: five could be eight and three, and also have a winnable slate of games in front of you. New, I watched for the record. I've started watching New Orleans.
0: They're beatable.
1: They are a beatable football team. I they love are. Michael Thomas, Drew Brees. That connection is un- uninterruptible. They're going to get there. Similar to Watson Hopkins. And,
0: and Hopkins, yeah.
1: But. Kamara's kind of cooling down for me. He's not nearly as just lightning uh, in a bottle. Watch me say that. Well, go and he's off. been
0: dinged up this year, too. But He's
1: also been banged up. Um, yeah. So I just I just New Orleans is a tough place to play. Uh, so that would be what I would say before I would say. And they'll also crush the Colts. Um, New Orleans is a tough place to play. It's a good home crowd. So, like I said, man, I get it. You know, it's wintertime, everybody's depressed. Uh the 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 takes were so lukewarm after that loss to Houston where there was so many so many red flags. Uh where you're just like, Really? I mean, even in the last minute or two, there were like two where you're like, Really? Colts could have won that. Yeah, it could have been a little different. But like we said, we we we've 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 covered that Jacoby has been be banged fair. up, TY has been banged up, that connection was off. Right? And that could be the difference in a three point ball game. Dare I say TY catches one of those three balls and the outcome is different. Right? Um, man, that's that's not an awful spot to be in. Like you it could be a lot worse. Um and like I said, people people knocking Jacoby and saying he's not capable. Look at some of these other quarterbacks in the NFL, man. Before, before, before we say like he is not the long term solution. Hey, yeah. there's not it's a like lot. It's like we said before.
0: It's like we said before. If you're going to get a quarterback, you have to make sure you have to be sure it's an upgrade. Mm-hmm. There's no point in getting a guy just to be equal. Yeah. No, and no, and that's what you have to you. And it's kind of like what we talked about with Vinatieri is you can't cut the guy just because you don't like him right you have to look at what you're going to bring in and is what you're going to bring in better than what you have and that's what the determination is going to be for the Colts in this next offseason is are there options that are better than what we have with Jacoby Brissett and depending on where they pick I think there are going to be better options yeah but and and especially because of the draft Right, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to the draft. I think there's probably going to be better options, but if they choose to go in a different direction, Colts fans need to understand just as much that they decided to go and stick with Jacoby Brissett because they felt like the other guys weren't upgrades. Right, which says
1: which says a lot about how they feel about Jacoby based on what happens at 18. Mm-hmm. So what if the Colts do trade out of the 18th pick, trade back and still take a quarterback, just like just like Baltimore did. I, I'll right? say this.
0: I'll say this. If I th- if Baltimore actually traded up to get that quarterback, they had the 22nd pick and I think took Hayden Hurst, the 22nd pick and then traded back into round 1 and took yeah. Lamar Jackson. Right. I think if the Colts are going to take a quarterback and they want to take him in the 24 range and they're picking 18. I don't think they trade back. I think they take it. They make sure they get their guy and they just let the rest of the draft kind of, kind of follow them that way. Because when it comes to the position of quarterback, you don't take the risk of if you've got a guy that you really like, and you know, is you're going to going to be your guy. You take them. If you have three guys that you have equally graded and you're going to drop back four spots, Then you drop back. And so it's a, it's kind of a game. Like you don't want to drop back. It's
1: such a crazy game.
0: You don't want to drop back eight picks, like from like 18 to 26, when some other team can jump up in front of you and take that quarterback. And so it's all about knowing what everybody else is going to do or predicting what everybody else is going to do. But if you have a guy that you really like, you're not going to, it's kind of like the, the, Giants with Daniel Jones. They could have dropped back from the sixth spot this past year. Yeah. And taken somebody else. Or dropped back and still potentially taken Daniel Jones. They didn't. They took Daniel Jones at six or wherever they I think it was six and just didn't even worry about it because you don't wanna you don't want to lose that position. Right. If it's a wide receiver, Or, you know, if it's any other position and you're looking at it and saying, all right, I've got, it's kind of like what happened this past year. Chris Ballard at 26 had eight guys that he considered blue chip guys. And so he traded back and and picked, traded back 20 spots, whatever with the Redskins, and then picked up their second round pick, which now we're going to find out is going to be probably a top four pick in the second round. Right. And he dropped back there because he also had 34 and he knew that one of those eight guys that he really liked was probably going to be there at 34 based on what the other guys were. If the guy that he wanted was a quarterback, I don't think he trades back period. Do you Um, think
1: Jordan love is the 18th pick to the Colts in the first round of this NFL draft?
0: I think if, Chris Ballard really likes Jordan Love and thinks that he's going to be the uh, an upgrade over Jacoby Reset and he's going to be a star. I think he'll be that pick with the Colts. Wherever they pick in the first round,
1: right.
0: I don't think that they that's the one position I don't think they they gamble with and drop back and see if they can pick somebody else up. Now, if they have like Jordan Love and and Hertz and Easton all within that same range. All right, I'll see. It. They'll they'll probably drop back, knowing right. that a bunch of those other teams aren't looking for quarterbacks. Right. And there's you you've got certain teams that don't typically trade, like the Giants don't trade, like rarely ever. You know, the Eagles trade all the time. Houston doesn't have a first round pick until like 2025. <laughs> Same thing with the Rams. Right. Like neither of those teams have first round picks for forever. So like those guys and like the Ram the Raiders don't didn't trade in the draft last year you know and so you look at everybody else and and kind of guess what they're going to do but i think quarterback is the one position that if if you've got your guy you don't risk it and you take them and you just say all right let's move forward and and see what we get in the second round but yeah that's it that's my thoughts
1: yeah, and that's where we'll end it. So, this has been Jared and Steven with Afternoon Pancakes, episode 22. Follow us on the Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Likely Twitter. Alien, Nice read, R E E D, Steve, and at Pod Pancake, if you will. We Enjoy. take
0: listener questions. So, if you have any questions for us, let us yeah. know, and uh, it, we'll bring them up, up on the uh, next show.
1: Hit us up on the on the old Twitter machine, and we'll get back with you on this next episode. But yeah, uh, enjoy the games this week, and we'll see you a week from today.